Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. In many ways, I, I sense that our being together here today, partaking of communion today, praying for one another today, if we did nothing more than that in worship, as we've already done, it would we, we've been in your presence, we've been in your house, you've touched our hearts this morning. We rejoice in that. Now, as we look to your word, we pray that God... It would feed us, it would minister to us, it would challenge us, it would open our eyes, open our eyes, open our ears today. Would you ask the Lord to open your eyes and ears today? Open our eyes, open our ears today. God, may we have ears to hear, may we have eyes to see, not only today, but during this whole Christmas week, may that be so, Lord. May we be sensitive to the voice of your Spirit in every situation we find ourselves in. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Great. Praise God. Matthew chapter 1 this morning. Praise God. Verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, just man, and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. I really like the Joseph story in the Christmas story. I, I think it's it's a it's a very interesting story. Have you ever wondered about him? How old was he? Um, what did he look like? <laughs> uh, what kind of personality did he have? Was he was he quiet? Was he outgoing? There's you know. In many ways, his obscurity makes him even more intriguing to us as we look at this guy, Joseph. There's a lot we don't know about him. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting as you look into the Christmas story, you begin to see that this quiet, obscure person that we know so very little about 
is, is so vital and so important to the whole issue of what happens around the Christmas story. And, and this, is, this is a biblical principle. God, God uses quiet, obscure people. God doesn't just use the mighty and the powerful. And, and, you know, I mean, the scripture is so full of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose things that are power, powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. And that was Joseph. That was Joseph. The world looked at him and said, this guy is nothing. This guy is this little carpenter from Nazareth. But the scripture says just the opposite. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what it says about all of us. Verse 18. Our bodies have many parts. God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully, carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. Listen to this. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And so often in the Christmas story, you know, all the emphasis is put on Mary and very little on Joseph. But Joseph is so, so, so very significant. In this account. Of the twelve that were chosen by Jesus, we also know so very little about them. Think about it. Andrew, what do you know about Andrew? Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, Judas the son of James. All all the guys that I've listed, you don't know anything about. (laughs) We have some tradition about them on, on a few of them. We have a little bit of information, but very little. I mean, obscure guys. Obscure people, but God used them. God chose them. God chose you. Aren't you glad? Chose you. Praise God. It's wonderful. So what do we know about Joseph? Well, we know he was of the lineage of David, which, which, is, which is interesting. Both Mary and Joseph were of the lineage of David. He was a carpenter. The word in the Greek is the word tekton. Um, this, this guy was, was a craftsman. All right? Craftsman in his day. He, he built roofs and doors and window shutters and chairs and plows and yokes and furniture and, and, and even built boats. That's, that's what a tecton was. He was a craftsman. How many are craftsmen here? Some of you are craftsmen. Raise your hand. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, good. Craftsman. All right, so, so you, you, fit, you fit a Joseph. He was a craftsman. God, God, God chose a man who knew how to work with his hands. Some of you guys are great working with your hands. And I, I honor you. You know. Some of you have other skills. Some of you aren't quite sure what your skills are, but they're there. 
Mark chapter 6, verse 3, reveals to us that, that, that Joseph trained Jesus, the firstborn, which was very typical in those days, uh, uh, trained Jesus to be a carpenter. In fact, uh, you know, in, in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, he is known as Jesus the carpenter. So he, 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 he was also known as a carpenter. He, he had these same skills. He was, he was taught the same trade. Matthew chapter 13 uh, tells us that, uh, that, that, that Joseph and Mary, after Jesus was born, had at least six children. Uh, more. We don't know how many girls there were. Uh, we know there were four, four boys, and this is what it reads. Verse 54, he returned to Nazareth, his hometown, when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Also, his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. So we, so we know the names of his, of his half-brothers, we, and, and, but we don't really know the names of his sisters, but he had at least two of them because they're spoken of in the plural. Um, interesting question. Are, are there people living today that are still related to Jesus, you know? <laughs> Maybe. You know, there's still a part of that family tree. goes down further. Isn't that an interesting thing? Wouldn't it be interesting to follow that family tree down and find out and meet somebody that was actually uh, somehow uh, physically related to Jesus today? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be interesting? Maybe it wouldn't. <laughs> 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 it would be interesting for me. Um, so, so, what happens after the birth of Jesus? Well, you know, concerning Joseph, we we know Luke chapter two verses forty one to fifty two. You know, twelve years later, Jesus now is 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 twelve years old. They're 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 in the city of Jerusalem, and and Joseph is still there. Mary and Joseph together are there. But in Mark chapter 6, the scripture that refers, that's the other scripture, that's the parallel scripture to Matthew 13, that actually refers to Jesus as a carpenter. Um, Mark chapter 6, we don't, Joseph is not mentioned there at all. Mary is and the children are, but Joseph is not mentioned. And um, because of what happens um, when Jesus is on the cross in John chapter 19 and he, and he turns the care of his mother over, over to, to John, um, um, it, it seems very clear there that we, we assume that Joseph has, has died. We don't know how. We don't know if it was an accident. Was it was it premature death? Was he was he older than than Mary considered? We we don't know any of those things. You know, so we're we're left with with some of those questions. But in the text, that's what we want to focus on this morning. Verses eighteen and nineteen. It tells us that before Mary was married to Joseph, when they were still engaged, when she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph was a good man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. This was a significant moment in Joseph's life. And... It came unexpectedly. It wasn't something that 
he planned for or looked for or expected or anticipated, it was all of a sudden, boom, it was right in his face. And here we have Joseph in a time of solitary decision. No one is watching. No one knows what's going on in his heart. This is, this is, this is an important time because what you do in private, what you do when no one else is watching, the decisions you make, especially the solitary, difficult decisions you make, when it's tough, when it's painful, those are, those are very, very important decisions. This was a moment of personal crisis. And, and when personal crisis comes, what happens to us is true character comes to the surface. Okay? And, and, and usually it's, it's both and. It's strength and weakness come to the surface. But what we see here in the life of Joseph is that Joseph certainly had weaknesses. I don't know what they were, but he certainly had them. But here we see the, the strength of Joseph is, is, is greater than the weakness of Joseph. The strength of character wins out in this context. Okay? And it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. How and when did Mary tell Joseph the story of what had happened to her? We don't know. We don't know how long she waited. We didn't know if she waited until she started to look pregnant. Maybe. Possibly. We don't know. But one day she told him what had happened. (laughs) And uh, he didn't believe her. Would you? Of course not. You wouldn't have believed her either. I mean, it made no sense. He was devastated. He was heartbroken. He was betrayed. In his mind, everything he saw said, betrayal, Mary has betrayed me. He had every right to be vindictive towards Mary. He had every right to expose her, to disgrace her, to hurt her, because he was so deeply hurt. You see, he, he knew nothing of, of, of what had happened yet. And he is making decisions in the context of not knowing the truth. He's believing that she has had a relationship with another man. He, he is believing that she has been unfaithful to him. She, he, he is believing that, that, that she has broken the trust of their relationship. And in that context, he makes these marvelous decisions. The scripture says here that he was a good and just man. In fact, Joseph is the first just man listed in the New Testament. It's interesting. What does it mean to be just? It means, means to be a man of integrity. It means to be straight. It means to be true. It means to do the right thing even at all costs. That's integrity. Tell the truth at all costs. Make the right decision at all costs. You know, just. He chose the way of mercy. He refused to become bitter and strike out. He chose the path of protection for Mary, sacrificial love. 
even though he believed that she had been unfaithful to him. He chose kindness. He chose humility. He chose sacrifice. And all of these things please God. In the context of, 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 of it seems like everything is, is, is coming at him. He, he, he seems to be the victim here. He's the one. Uh, Mary has made all these wrong choices in, in their relationship. That's the way it looks. Okay? From Joseph's view at this point. But in spite of all that, He's protecting her. He chooses to break the engagement, which was, he had to go through a process of divorce to do that. He chooses to do it without cause. Obviously, this is early on in the pregnancy. Um, Without reason, quietly. He chooses not to make her a public spectacle. Wow. You know? How often people become blinded and consumed by their own hurt. And what happens when we become consumed with our hurt? What do we do? We strike out. Strike out. We strike out, especially at the person who has hurt us. Isn't that right? Just as natural as breathing for all of us. And it, it takes a person who is just, it takes a person of integrity who chooses to not... This is a choice. This is not emotion. This is a choice. A choice. Joseph did not respond out of his emotions here. He, because his emotions were raging. He, he felt betrayed. I'm sure he was angry. I'm sure he was deeply hurt. But in spite of all that, here we see Joseph, in spite of all that, we see him making a choice to protect Mary, to act in mercy towards her. He... he naturally says, I can't be married to this woman because she's been unfaithful to me and I'm, I'm going to just step out of this relationship and I'm going to do so quietly and I'm not going to charge her with anything and I'm not going to make, I'm not going to expose her publicly and, uh, and we're just going to go on. Personal injustice for people, how often that the pain of personal injustice has detoured them for the rest of their life. That's all they live about is their pain. For the rest of their life, that's, that's all they live about is how this person, you hurt me. That, that, that then becomes the sum total. From that point on, for the rest of their life, if you were going to write a book about them, you hurt me, says everything about their life from that point on. Vindictive, angry, bitter, hurting, lashing out, poisonous. It just flows out of everything they do. It, it, it flows out in the workplace. It, it, it flows out if they are in a family relationship. It, it flows out towards children and grandchildren. It flows out everywhere. It flows out to neighbors and friends. All you see, all you feel is, you hurt me. the rest of their life. In Acts chapter 8 when Simon saw that the Spirit was given this is verse 18 when the apostles laid their hands on people he offered them money to buy this power 
Let me have this power to exclaim, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by your sin. You are full of bitter jealousy. And that, oh, my. How many tragically can say, I, I know someone who lives like that. Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I mean, we can all relate to that. My goodness, friends, relatives, and, and, and some of you are going to be around some of these people at Christmas time. And they are just full of bitterness. I mean, it just exudes out of them and you have to pray for the grace of God to make it through Christmas in their context because all of their life is, is consumed with, they hurt me. Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, verse 15 says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Wow, bitterness is, is such a huge issue. And it's so powerful. And, and you know, I've said it, I, I said it in our forgiveness class here. Uh, you've probably heard it before. This is nothing, this is nothing original, obviously, but poison is... Poison is the, is, uh, bitterness is the poison you drink hoping the other person will die. <laughs> bitterness is the poison you drink hoping the other person will die. You know. So, so we just, we just become so consumed. And I, I just, you may be here today and just are just, because of injustice, because it's wrong. Because this is not right. You know, it's hard to let go of that. It's, it's hard to be just in the midst of that. I want to pray for, for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, even, even as it was spoken earlier. We thank you, Lord, that, that you are not here to condemn us, but you are here to help us. <laughs> and Lord... <laughs> Sometimes there's great injustice that happens in our lives. Great pain, great sorrow goes to the very marrow of our bone, goes beyond our heart, just consumes every part of us. And, and, and Lord, we don't want to, we don't want to, we, we don't want to live in the context of you hurt me. You wounded me. Lord, that is true for so many but God, may your healing grace free them from the power of bitterness today, Lord. Oh God, set them free. May they be able to live justly in freedom, free from the pain of consuming bitterness. Oh God, by your grace this morning, just... Break the shackles of bitterness in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, do it this morning. Do it this morning, Lord.
to it this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We, we, we can't change what other people have done. But you don't have to be controlled by it. You don't have to be controlled by it. It doesn't have to consume your life. It does not. God has something better than that for you. One day after the Civil War, Robert E. Lee visited a woman in Kentucky. She took him out in her yard showed him what had at one time been a grand old tree. Its limbs had long ago been blown off by federal artillery fire. She looked to General Lee to sympathize with her. And instead of sympathizing with her, he looked at her and said, cut it down. Cut it down. That's all. And he walked away. Sometimes we just need to cut it down. <laughs> right? You know, we're, we're just not going to live here anymore. We're not going to allow uh, the, the hurt of yesterday to consume the rest of our life. <laughs> to rob us of, of joy and, 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 and peace. Sleepless nights and... And and, uh, and 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 the and the and the twisting of the pit of our stomach day after day after day. Jesus, help us. So, verses twenty and twenty-one tells us that while making these choices, these wonderful just choices, there's an angelic appearance. Probably Gabriel doesn't say Gabriel, but we assume it was. Let me ask you a question. Could have, would have, the angel of the Lord come to Joseph if he had responded differently than he did? If he had responded in anger and bitterness and said, string her up. I'm going to expose this woman. I'm going to make sure she gets everything she has coming to her. I think not. Godly, merciful response resulted in angelic presence. (laughs) And I think the one is connected to the other. Godly, merciful response resulted in angelic presence. Resulted in the grace of God, resulted in Joseph being a part of the answer, the solution instead of part of the problem. And, and, and God would have obviously gone a different direction if Joseph had responded differently. Hmm? Does that make sense to you? Would have God used an angry, bitter, hateful man? No, of course not. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened in this context. You can see that. Joseph. Raging in the cave, huh? No, I don't think so. So without preparation and without forewarning and surprisingly and unexpectedly, Joseph encounters this angel in a dream. When is a dream not just a dream? That's a good question. When, 
When is a dream not just a dream? How many of you had dreams and you knew they were just a dream? Or you're hoping they were just a dream? <laughs> you know, we blame it on pizza or we blame it on this or whatever, you know, but it, it, it's just a dream. Or, or maybe, you know, you haven't had much sleep the last couple of days. And, and so, how many of you had just crazy dreams? You think, well, that's not from God. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but there are dreams that are not just dreams. In fact, it's, it's interesting that, that it seems, I found at least 19 significant biblical dreams, and it's interesting that Joseph has three of them. Isn't that interesting? So, so in this dream, this is a dream now, an angel comes to him in this dream. Okay? He's snoring or whatever he's doing. He's sound asleep. He's in this dream. And, and, and the angel of the Lord comes to him in this dream and says, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, was confirmational. That, because they thought, in, have, have you ever thought in a dream? Come on. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, some of you have even said, I am going to wake up from this dream because I don't like this dream. Some of you have, have, have started praying in the Spirit in a dream because you knew it was demonic. Huh? Right? Okay? Yeah. Well, many of you have been there. And, and you said, okay, there have been times I've just started praying in the name of Jesus. I stand against this. I know where this is coming from. I rebuke this in the name of Jesus. And then at other times you're thinking, this is kind of interesting. This is an interesting story. I think I'm going to kind of just... Go along with this, and I hope I don't wake up too soon. Don't wake me up. Just let me finish this dream. Huh? Right? So, so, so it, isn't it interesting how the subconscious works where you can be dreaming at the same time thinking? And, and, and Joseph, I'm sure, is thinking in the midst of this dream and thinking, hmm, this is exactly what Mary told me. Huh? This is exactly what Mary said to me. Confirmation. All right? She will have a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Ooh, there's another one. Confirmation. He will save his people from their sins. New. Was Israel looking for a Messiah to save them from their sins? No way, Jose. They were not looking for that at all, were they? They were looking for a Messiah to save them from Rome. (laughs) Not from their sins. Are you kidding? We don't care about sins. We care about politics. (laughs) We, We care about government authority. That's what this is all about. And we have to be careful that it doesn't just become all about government, too, in the days that we're living in. Jesus did not come to save us from government or from natural authority. He came to save us from our sins. And... uh, and then Matthew gives this marvelous commentary, verses 22 to 23, where he says, this, this was all said that it might be fulfilled what the prophet said, which Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that a, that a virgin would conceive and bear, bear a son, you will call him Emmanuel, God with us. That was 700 years previous. Now, 24. When Joseph, when Joseph woke up, When Joseph woke up, he probably thought, 
What a dream. <laughs> Man. I mean, now, let's not be too spiritual here. I, I'm, I'm sure when he woke up, he, he woke up and thought, that was a dream, but was that real? Huh? Was that, was that really real? Was that... Was God, and, and he worked through this process. Probably the confirmations were clearly a part of that. But he worked through this process where he said, okay, yeah, this was, this was God. And so when he woke up, he didn't just jump out of bed, I don't think, and said, okay, I'm doing it. I, th- I think he thought this thing through, this process through. He prayed this thing through, this process through, and he came to conclusion, this is the will of God. He did it. Hooray for Joseph, right? It could have been so very, very different. You know, he had, we, we earlier prayed on purpose for ears and for eyes, ears to hear and eyes to see, because, because I want your ears and eyes to be wide open this Christmas to hear what God would be speaking to you. I don't know, maybe he'll even speak to you through a dream. I don't know. Maybe he'll... You know, so often God speaks to us in the still small voice within our hearts, just quietly speaks to us. And uh, I know that I've many times ignored that. Have you? Yeah. It just kind of stepped right over what you sensed the Holy Spirit said. You you really shouldn't say that right now. (laughs) Right? Anybody ever been there besides me? Yeah. You, you know, just, just, this is a good time to be quiet, but I want to say it. <laughs> right? Okay. And then afterwards you think, oh, boy, that wasn't a good idea. You know, but, you know, I pray that we will have ears to hear at this, at this Christmas season. In, in, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus says in verse 21, then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket or under a bed? Or, of course not. A lamp is placed on the stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Is it important to hear? Ah, yeah, I think so. The more you listen, the more understanding you're going to have. The more you step over when God says stop or go or speak or be quiet or listen or open your eyes, see what I'm trying to show you here, the more God will continue to show you. And that's, that's just a part of the process. Um, Mark chapter 8, we see Jesus getting a little frustrated with his disciples. Verse 16, at this time they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or even understand, even yet? Isn't it neat to see natural emotion here? 
Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Come on, how many? Twelve. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. <laughs> you know, it's the whole issue. You know, Jesus, I'm sure, sometimes gets frustrated with Dave Ogren. Senior. I'm not talking about junior. Senior. And, and says, and says, and says concerning me, says, says, don't you have ears? Don't you yet understand? Don't, don't you? See what I'm saying? Okay. So the message here is that Joseph did have an ear to hear what God was saying. He did have eyes to see. He did respond to the voice of the Spirit of God. Did he fully understand? Of course not. Were there all kinds of questions yet unanswered? Yes. Did it take faith and courage and a willingness to pay the price? Yes. And that was a part of this. That's why it wasn't jump out of bed, of course I'll do this. He had to endure scorn and and shoulder rejection and deflect the rumors. So nine months pass and Joseph and Mary are now She's very pregnant, and, and they're enduring the scorn and, and the reproach of, of, of uh, a pregnancy before marriage in the eyes of the world. And Joseph is bearing that along with, along, right along with Mary. They take the 80-mile journey to Jerusalem. The town is swollen with visitors. This is their last option, a stable crowded with animals. It's far from their expectations. How many of you have ever had expectations that weren't fulfilled? Huh? Things that you thought, okay, this is what God's going to do, and this is how it's going to look. Max Licato. This isn't the way I planned it, God, not at all. The child being born is stable. This isn't the way I thought it would be, a cave with sheep and donkeys, hay and straw, my wife giving birth with only stars to hear her pain. This isn't at all what I imagined. This doesn't seem right. What kind of a husband am I? I provided no midwife to aid my wife, no bed to rest her back. Her pillow is a blanket from my donkey. My house for her is a shed of hay and straw. The the smell is bad. The animals are loud. Why, even I smell like a shepherd myself. Did I miss something, God? Did I? When you sent the angel and spoke of the son being born, this isn't what I pictured. I envisioned Jerusalem, the temple, the priests, the people gathered, a pageant perhaps, a parade, a banquet at least. I mean, this is the Messiah. Or if not born in Jerusalem, how about Nazareth? Wouldn't Nazareth have been better? At least there I have my house and business. Out here, what do I have? A weary mule, a stack of firewood, a pot of warm water. This is not the way I wanted it to be. The child is yours. The plan is yours. The idea is yours. Forgive me for asking, is this how God enters the world? Any minute now, Mary Mary will give birth, not to just a child, but to the Messiah, not just to an infant, but to God. It seems so, so bizarre. I'm a carpenter. I make things fit. I follow the plumb line. I measure twice before I cut once. Surprises are not the friend of a builder. I like to know the plan and like to see the plan before I begin. How many say amen to that? But this time, I'm not the builder, am I? (laughs) 
This time I'm a tool. A hammer in your grip. A nail between your fingers. A chisel in your hands. This project is yours, not mine. I guess it's foolish for me to question you. Forgive my struggling. Trust doesn't come easy to me, God. But you never said it would... You, you never said it would be easy, did you? It's reality. So Mary gives birth, and here's this. How many of you guys uh, try to stay out of the kitchen when your wife is working because you feel a little awkward and in the way? How many can relate to that? Raise your hand, come on. I do. Thank, thank you, Tom, I see that hand. <laughs> I mean that, that you know I you know I, I do what I'm told you know because Colleen knows there's a limited amount of ability on my side when it comes to the kitchen so you know I'm 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 good for washing dishes you know I'm not like Warren I'm I you know I'm I'm not a I'm not a good cook you know I you know I I can boil water for oatmeal and I can peel potatoes and I can you know but that's about it. You know, that's, yeah, that's about it. So, so here's, you know, Joseph have, has never delivered a baby. May, may, maybe, a, maybe a colt or, a, you know, or an animal, but never, never a baby. You know, I mean, his hands are callous. You know, what a midwife, right? He doesn't know what he's doing. You can imagine, she's probably have to tell him what to do. In the midst of all this. And, and, and so he, here is the most unlikely midwife in all the world. Assisting Mary as she gives birth to the Son of God. Joseph was there, though, to see God enter the world. Can you imagine being there? Uh, some years ago, and I'm almost done here, um, Johnny Erickson Tata wrote this, and I thought it was great. It was a chilly night in the little Judean town of Bethlehem. It was the kind of night you want to escape the cold, damp air, find warmth and security inside a cozy inn. People crowded tightly into the inn at the end of the street. They left their donkeys and camels in the back stable and shut the door against the night air. Inside, the inn rang with laughter and chatter. Distant relatives who had not seen each other in years renewed family ties over bowls of hot soup. They broke bread together, swapping stories of their long journey together in Bethlehem. A teenage boy strummed his lyre in the corner. Several fathers clapped their hands in time to the music. In the rush to serve tables, the innkeeper, balancing a tray of bread and meat, answered a knock at the door. A man calling himself Joseph stood outside, pulling his cloak tightly around his neck. It was late. It was cold. He and his young wife, who was heavy with child, needed a room. The innkeeper could barely hear himself talk with so much noise behind him, but he managed to explain that there was no room, only an empty stall or two in the stable out back. Shrugging his shoulders, the innkeeper quickly apologized slammed the door against the man and the cold night air. Outside, Joseph stood for a moment, listening to the laughter 
behind the door. Through the stillness and silence, he and Mary, Mary quietly made their way to the stable. And while music and laughter, chatter and feasting were a celebration just yards away behind the warm walls of a cozy inn, the Son of God quietly entered history in a cave. <laughs> And Joseph was there. He was there because he was a just man. He was was there because he had chosen mercy. He was there because he had an ear to hear the voice of the Spirit of God. He was there because he loved the will of God more than he loved his comfort. He didn't miss out. And when you're saying from your heart, boy, I am this morning, God, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on what you're planning. I don't want to get distracted by stupid stuff. I don't want to have my eyes closed, my ears closed. I don't want to be consumed with the wrong stuff and miss out on what you have. So here's this guy, Joseph. It's interesting. Chapter 2, and I close with this. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and dreamed. This is two years later, probably. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. Again, he's still hearing. (laughs) He's still responding. When Herod died, verse 19, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Notice, it's Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. Get up! Take the child! (laughs) He says, boy, I've heard this before. Back to the land of Israel, because Those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up, returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream again, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. You see it? (laughs) Do you see it? Ears to hear Ears to hear. Ears to hear. And who did God speak to? Joseph. God trusted Joseph that much. That he would put the care of Mary and the Son of God into his hand. Hands that were calloused. A man that was probably not very well educated. Had many, many skills, but not highly educated in the sense of education today. A man that was very small in the eyes of men. Just a common laborer. 
but he stands tall before God. Because God sees beyond his apron and sees beyond the shavings in his shop to see a man that was just before God. May that be true for you and for me. Let's pray this morning. Lord, as we enter this Christmas season, I know it's going to be busy and lots of things happening and lots of excitement for children. And there's going to be a lot of pain for people too. We know that. But God, we pray that during this Christmas season we would be very attuned to being just people, people of character, people of mercy, people of sacrifice, people who love, people who love your will more than we love our own comfort, people who are willing to do your will no matter what the cost, people who have an ear to hear and an eye to see your will and then a willingness to do it. Lord, we honor this man Joseph today, and we, in many ways, want to be like him. I believe one day we're going to see him in heaven. What a privilege it will be to meet him, the man who stood alongside of Mary to see God become flesh. Thank you, Lord. I just pray that, God, you will use his story to touch us, to change us, to impact our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.